0: We're in our series uh, "In God We Trust," and we started this last week um, talking about trusting God with our with our finances. And last week we talked about how so so many of us are lost financially, and uh, and, and made the, the the statement that you know Jesus says so much about stewarding our resources that you you cannot be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ and stay lost financially. You cannot take the largest percentage of what Jesus spent talking about, put it over here, and shelve it over here, and then say, I'm, I'm living a fully surrendered life, that I, I'm, I'm a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, you, you cannot call yourself a fully devoted, fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, and, and be lost financially. So that, that's, it's important that we spend some time uh, talking about that, especially in light of the culture we live in. Um, and so we're going to continue to, to do that th- this morning. Um, uh, Trina and I, we got four kids. You, yes, many of you know that. Uh, when our kids were younger and still in the house, uh, we gave them responsibilities in the form of chores. Uh, they had an allowance, but allowance came as a result of doing the, the, the little assignments that were that were given to you, uh, we created, because we have four kids, we created, uh, four areas of, 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 work for them to do, to just kind of chip in around the house. We had a cleaning kitchen, cleaning bathrooms, cleaning a living room, and folding laundry. That was the four areas, and uh, the the folding laundry was the dreaded area, Uh, and every week, the the job assignment sort of rotated around the house, and here's the the funny thing. You know, parents have expectations about what a clean kitchen or a, a clean bathroom might look like. And uh, and kids rarely rise to the level of expectation that parents have. Okay, so you know our kids they're they're, they're on to something bigger and better. They're checking the box and just to get on and go to go do something. And uh, we had one of our sons who, who you know it, it was laundry week, and his his idea of folding shirts was like rolling them in a ball and stick them in a pile. And I go to the bed where the, where the clothes are piled up, and it's like, oh, my gosh. I unroll a T-shirt, and it'd be like still inside out. Uh, or they were in charge of cleaning the kitchen, and, uh, and you, know, the, you know, the garbage can's still full. There's plates still around the, the kitchen. And, uh, and so what we do is when kids didn't, didn't meet the expectation of their, their parents, we would call them together, and we say, okay, hey, look, here's the deal. We want to show you what a clean kitchen looks like, all right? We want, to show you what, we want to show you what folded clothes should look like. And the reason we did this was because if they could see what we were asking, then they could, it's not a guarantee, but then they could, they could actually meet the level of expectation their parents had. When you, see, when you see what's expected of you, there's a higher level of chance, a higher level of, 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 of probability that we will do what's being asked of us. And as we talk about finances, the same is true. You see, God has expectations of us of how we will handle our personal finances. I, didn't, I don't know if you knew that or not. He has expectations of us And some of you think, thinking, yeah, he just wants it. Look, if he wanted it, he'd take it, right? The government does. He's bigger than the government. If he wanted it, he'd take it. But God has expectations of how you will use what he has trusted you with. Now, here's what we need to understand. I know many of you know this, but I just want to reiterate this to you. Everything we have, whether it's a lot or a little, is on loan from God. Everything you have is on loan from God. Now, I know you may be thinking, like, wait a minute, I worked hard. I came up with that idea. I, I wrote that book. I, I made it happen. Look, God is the one who gave you the intelligence to be able to come up with that idea, God is the one who put that gift in you to be able to write, God is the, God is the one who deposited that work ethic in you. You you think it's you, but everything we own, all all of the resources we have are because God has entrusted it to us. I want to make sure we're crystal clear on this. I want to read you a passage from 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 11 and 12. David is praying, and just understand this. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything, everything is, In the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. It's crystal clear. Whatever we own or whatever we have in the form of resources, has been entrusted to us from God. It is on loan to you. It's on loan to you and I, and God has expectations of how we will use the things that he's entrusted, the the time, the talents, and yes, the resources. So it's very important for us to understand what are God's expectations? What, what 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 is he looking for? How am I supposed to fold the shirt? How am I supposed, what should it look like? What does good financial stewardship look like? Very important question to answer. And we're gonna answer by looking at Luke chapter 16. We're gonna look at a parable. If you've got your Bibles, turn there because we're gonna read through this parable, this story, this, this narrative that is embedded in it is a spiritual truth. If you didn't bring a Bible... Um, that's okay. There's one that looks like this. It's in the pew rack in front of you. The same Bible I'm using. If you go to page 1651, you, you'll find this story. And just contextually, so you understand, Luke 15 contains some parables as well. They're they're more well known. Jesus is talking about lost people, and he tells stories to, to express God's heart for lost people. He says, you know, that there's lost sheep, lost coins, lost son. We we call the lost son story the story of the prodigal son. He's been talking about lost things in Luke 15. We get to a new chapter and we think, okay, we're done with the lost stuff. But actually, you know, my my little subtitle there, by the way, that's just sort of some some instruction on what you're going to read. Mine says Parable of the Shrewd Manager. You could call this the parable of the lost job, because that's what's going to happen here. This lost thing keeps, keeps carrying on. The theme of this carries on to Luke chapter 16. What I want to do is I want to show you three expectations, three lenses through which Jesus is looking, which God is looking, at how, and how we handle our personal finances. And he's going to tell a story. And by the way, it's a confounding story. It's a confusing story. It's like, what in the world? What, what's he saying here? We'll break that out because it's pretty clear from the text. But just, let's just get, get caught up in the story. Luke 16, verse 1, Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day, a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, What's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. Hit the pause button there. We've got a rich man who apparently has a lot of possessions. Maybe he's got real estate. Maybe he's got, got money. He, he's, he's got a lot of it, enough of it that he's hiring people to manage it for him. So we got a rich man, an owner, he's hired a manager to oversee all his property, all his resources, and he hears a report about this manager, and this guy has not been doing his job. In fact, these possessions that he's been asked to steward that are not his, he's, he's wasting the possessions. So the owner, the rich man, calls him in, sends a message to him and says, what's this I hear about you? I'm hearing a bad report. Here's the deal: you bring in the big black books, you bring in all the stuff, all the bookkeeping stuff. You bring it in because you're going to lose your job. You're, you're, you're going to be fired. And uh, and verse three picks up the story again. It says the manager thought to himself, "Well, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches, and I'm too proud to beg." Uh, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I am fired. Here's what what this guy is doing. Bad report's gone out, it's true, he's gonna be fired, but he realizes he still has authority. He still has some authority over this guy's possessions, and he realizes he's got a little bit of time, he has a little bit of opportunity and he's gonna leverage it in such a way that he can secure for himself a future. He's got a little time, he's got a little opportunity, the the firing hasn't happened yet, he's supposed to bring the books in, present it to the the rich man, he's gonna be fired, but he's got a little time, a little bit of opportunity, and he's gonna leverage it to secure uh, a future for himself. So, this is what he does, verse five. So he invited each person who owed, him money to, owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And, and how much do you owe my employer, he asked the next man. I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. Hit the pause button again here. Okay, so he, he, see his plan in action, right? He, he, he's going to be fired. He's going to bring all the books in. He hasn't been managing his, his, his owner's resources very well, but he realizes, I got a little time. I got a little opportunity, and I'm going to leverage it. So, I can have a future because you know what? I don't have strength to dig ditches. I'm not, I'm not really into manual labor. And I'm, I'm too proud to sit on the corner and beg. But I, I know how to take a little bit of time, a little bit of opportunity, and leverage it for a secure future. So, it's bargain day. It's bar- I mean, imagine this. I mean, some of you in this room maybe have some, some debt that you would describe as significant. Imagine sitting down with someone, and they said to you, okay, so here's the deal, uh, you owe, you know, you owe uh, $50,000, um, and so what we're going to do is, uh, we're going to give you a 50% discount, we're going to make it $25,000, and someone walked up to you, and you had that kind of debt load, you, you go, wow, hey, thanks, I mean, that 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 really helps, that helps my financial situation, and... Man, thanks. And and as the, the guy's leaving, hey, wait, 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 one, one, one minute. Man, if you ever need anything, you give me a call. I, I'd love to help you. And the manager goes, Oh, you bet. I'll, I'll give you a call. <laughs> Sooner than you think. I'm gonna give you a call. Next guy, he's got a thousand bushels of wheat. I mean, that seems like a, I mean Jesus is using hyperbolic figures here. Thousand, I mean it's a, how am I going to pay that back? 20% discount, we're going to bring it down to, to, to 800 bushels of wheat. Hey, thanks. I mean, that really helps. I mean, it's still pretty tight around the house, but, you know, 20% off, I'll, I'll take it. And, man, if if I can ever do anything for you, just let me know. Oh, I will. I'll let you know. And this... This guy is going around and he's cutting deals. Now, here's the deal. Whenever Jesus is telling a parable, people who are listening to him tell a parable, they know that they are somewhere in this story. Somewhere in this story, they're there. And they also know that God's in the story somewhere. So they're listening very carefully, trying to figure out, okay, who's who? You know, what's the point of the story? Sometimes Jesus actually, you know, gives the whole group the, the, the interpretation. That's what he's gonna do here. Sometimes he doesn't tell the, the whole crowd the meaning of the story. Just the disciples get to hear the interpretation. And sometimes only when they ask for it. Reason is, is because he's He's testing hunger. How hungry are these people to know truth? In this case, he's going to give the lesson. We're, we're going to get to that in a second. And when they're listening along, my guess is they're going, oh, man, that guy, he is a bad manager. I mean, look at what he's doing. He should be fired. He should be cut. I mean, this guy is a mess. There should be lawsuits to be filed. There's probably a prison sentence here. And their expectation is, man, when the, when the rich man finds out, he's going to have smoke coming out of his ears. He's going to be pretty hot. But nothing goes as expected when Jesus is telling a story. Next verse, verse eight. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. Some translations say the rich man commended the shrewd manager for being so shrewd. What? <laughs> What, what are you saying, Jesus? You're saying it's good to be dishonest? You're saying it's good to rip off your employer? No, 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 that, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying that. What he's about to do is to help us understand the Father is the rich man. And, and we, God's people, have been entrusted in stewarding his resources. And what he's going to do is he's gonna lay out the expectations for us of what it looks like when we handle God's resources well. And what he's saying here, he's commending in the story, it's a fictitious story, it's not true. It's just a story he's made to make make a spiritual truth evident. He's telling the story, he says the rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd because he took a little bit of time, a little bit of opportunity, and leveraged for himself a secure future. And then Jesus goes on to say, and it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. Here's the deal. People who don't even think about God, people who don't even think of in terms of eternity, people who have no concern about but the, but the spiritual life, um, they, they know how much better than people who follow after Christ. They, get, they know how to take a little bit of time. They know how to take a little bit of opportunity that's before them and leverage it in such a way so they'll have a bright, secure future on this planet. People of this world, people who don't even think in terms of eternity know how to do that well, better than the children of light. And here's the lesson. Here's the point of his whole crazy story. It's not, you know, rip off your boss week. That's not what's going on here. He's gonna tell them, this is my father's expectation for the resources that have been entrusted to you. You are the manager, So, here's here's the three lenses, three expectations the Father has. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then, when your earthly possessions are gone, they, your friends speaking of, they will welcome you to an eternal home. Here's the first lens. Here's the first expectation of God in stewarding the resources that are on loan from Him to us. It's that use your resources like you would use a tool. Your resources are a tool to make friends, to, to, to invest in what God is doing here on earth, to make friends for you so that when you come to the end of this life, you take your last breath here on earth, take your first breath in heaven, and you're walking the streets of heaven, people are gonna walk up to you and say, hey, thanks. I'm here because of you. And you're going to look at them and go, I, I, I don't know you. I don't, I don't think we've ever met. What are you talking about? Well, yeah, we haven't met, but you know, you, you, had, a, you had a great house, and you know, I was part of Young Life, and you opened up your basement, and we had all these you know, high school kids came over. I was one of them. We thrashed your basement every week. I'm the one who plugged your toilet and flooded your basement. Um, but, but because you saw your house as a tool and you opened it up for people to come, and, and, and specifically in this case, come hear about who God is, I'm here. Thanks. Thanks. We, we got two roses up here on, on the piano. Two roses that symbolize new life in Christ. And both these roses come from ministry that took place at Salem Free Clinics this past week. Two, two, two lives that went from the, the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. This is a great story. One of these roses is not even for a patient. One of these roses is for the spouse of a patient who just came along supporting a patient and then in the prayer room was like, hey, you know, I, I, I think I want some of that. And, and, they, and they heard about Jesus. And let me just say to you, if you're a nurse, a doctor, or a dentist, and you're volunteering, we cannot even do clinic without you. Thanks. Thank you for, for giving of your time. You're a volunteer and you're giving to uh, serving at a clinic or you're serving in anywhere around this place. I, I wanna tell you something. Because of your service, your gift of time, when, when, when people get a chance to be freed up to talk about Jesus or freed up to, to, to hear about, or you're, you're in the front lines of making that happen, th- here's the deal. You're gonna, you're gonna make friends so that when you, when you come to the end of this life and begin your, your, your life uh, face-to-face with Christ, people are going to walk up to you and say, thanks. Because you use your resources as a tool. You, you made it possible. That, see, that is one of the expectations that God has for us with what he's loaned to you and I. He's made a a deposit in you, you're stewarding his resources, and his his first expectation is that you would use it as a tool to advance the kingdom of God. We we need to know this. The second thing that we we need to know is is right in the next verse. Verse 10, if you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with the things of your own? Here's what Jesus is saying. Right now, you're taking a test. You're, you're being, you and I, with the resources that have been entrusted to us, whether it's a lot or little, Whether you feel like you got much extra or you're scraping by, how you use your finances, how you handle the resources that have been entrusted to you from from the Father is a test. And if you can faithfully steward the little that you've been given, he will trust you with true riches. If you can be faithful with things that don't even belong to you, then you will be trusted with true riches that will be your own. Our how we handle our fine. this is just painfully clear. It, it, it's a test. For faithful with little, we trust it with much. Now, I, I don't know where I, I learned this, but I, I read this in a leadership book somewhere where when it comes to hiring, there's this great test that you can give potential uh, employees. And uh, it relates to the game of golf, if, if they have any, this, this potential person has any exposure to the game of golf, you get them out on the golf course because you can find out really what a person is like on the golf course. Now some of you don't play golf, and, uh, and some of you do or have tried, and you know how difficult a game it is, and so we, we were hiring a youth pastor at our church in, in East Hills Alliance at Kelso, Washington. Nick uh, was an associate, and was an associate, Nick and I play golf, so Rick, we were hiring Rick, who wanted to hire Rick as a youth pastor, and so we put him through all the paces of the interviews, and uh, we told him on this Friday afternoon, hey, we're just going to take it easy this Friday afternoon, we're going we're gonna to talk some bit in the morning, but we're going to play golf in the afternoon. He's like, oh, man, that'd be great. I can't wait to get out there and just relax. And little does he know the interview is still full-court press, okay? It's still going. It's just going to happen on 18 holes of golf because a lot is revealed about someone on the golf course. You find out about their personality. You, you find out how they, how they deal with challenges. You, you, learn, uh, you learn, do they have a temper, uh, you, you find out things about integrity. Are they going to count all the strokes? So Nick and I are playing with Rick. We're watching him. He has, definitely has some significant challenges to his game, all right? And, and we're keeping score. We have our cards. He's got his card. And we're not only keeping score of our score, we're keeping his score because we want to find out, is he going to count all the strokes? Right, so we're playing the game, and he's—I mean—he's got all—he's no temper. He's like, "Oh well, you know, I'm bad shot. I'll figure it out." And and we're watching, counting strokes. We get to the 18th and we're done, and we're all like, "Ah, oh, it's fun so we get a drink." And we're sitting around the table, and it's like, "Okay, so hey, well, you know, what'd you get, Nick? What'd you get, Steve? Hey, Rick, what was your score?" He looks at his card and, and gives a score, and, we, and we're like, "Yep, that's what you got." He's like, "What are you talking about?" "Oh, we kept your score." "You were keeping my score?" "Oh yeah, yeah, we were interviewing you." We're just going to see if you're faithful to the small things so we can trust you to the big things. And he's like, I'm petrified. Uh, <laughs> and we hired him. We hired him. Integrity, character, worked hard. Uh, you know, we, 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 we hired him. Uh, it was an easy decision. But we were testing. Look, look, here's the deal. Right now, in how you're handling your finances, it's a test you may not like to hear that, but I, I, I got to tell you, because it's in here, and we don't just read into the word like, okay, okay we're going we're gonna, to you know, make us say we want, but no, we come under it around here. We, we need to know what, what, God, what are God's expectations. It's a tool. Right now, it's a test, faithful with small things, trusted with larger things, and, and then we get to the third one. It's the first we looked at last week, uh, Verse 13. After Jesus talks about the whole test thing, he says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who dearly loved their money, heard all this and scoffed at him. Meaning, they loved their money, they didn't love God. They thought they did, but they didn't, because you cannot serve two masters. You'll hate one, love the other. D- devoted to one, despise the other. Here, here's a lot. It's a tool, there's a test, and this last one, it's like a brand or a trademark. How you handle your money, how you spend your money, what you give it to, tells God whose you are. How you handle your money tells God whose you are. You may, you may think that you're serving God, but when it comes to your resource, it's all on loan to us, folks, it's all, whether we've been trusted with a lot or little, it's all on loan to us. And how we handle it, how, 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 we, how we use it, tells God whose we are. It's, it's, it's a trademark. Now let me just, I want to tell a final story and then ask some, some questions, give us some handles how to process this truth. okay? Um, because this is, again, it's important to understand. Um, four kids, Trina I are raising, um, and we decide when they're younger that when they get to age 12, um, that uh, we're going to take them on a 12-year-old trip. I'm going to do every one of them um, as a dad, and I'm going to engage in conversation with my kid over seven to 10 days, sons and daughters, and we're going to talk uh, each day. i got a topic. It's going to be work ethic. It's going to be character, integrity. Um, it, it's it's uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Uh, we're, we're talking about, um, about reputation, how, how to how to keep a good reputation. And in one of those days, I devoted to um, the conversation. It was around the talk. All right. So you know you know what I'm talking about right the the talk. Um, and uh, and I, I'm tell you this. It was true for every one of my kids, whether they were a son or a daughter. When I got to the point where I'm doing the talk, they're like, oh, dad, stop. That's so gross. Yuck. I had one daughter driving in a car. She's like, just stop. Stop talking. I, I, want, I, I know, I know, I know. I, I don't want to hear anymore." And I'm like, no, no, you need, you need to know how guys think. I'm telling you, you need to understand this. And I just kept going, and they were just like, oh, this is, they're plugging their ears, it's gross. I had a son, one of my sons was like, Dad, that, that's just disgusting. That's just, I can't even look at you and mom anymore. That's so awful. And, and, and you know, I, I can understand what they're saying, because I've been on both sides of this. All right, I remember being like nine or 10 and girls were like, oh yuck, gross. Oh, don't, don't talk about that. But then I grew up and I got on the other side of this thing and I got over here. By the way, yesterday, Trina's and my 20, 28th anniversary uh, together and um, I, I know you're clapping for her because it's been a lot of hard work, all right? <laughs> but here's the deal. I've been on both sides of this thing. I've been on the yuck, gross side, and I've been over here 28 years. And let me just tell you something: it's better over here. <laughs> it's better over here. Now when we talk about finances. Some of you inside, you're just getting all tight and tense, and you're scared, and you're like, "Oh, and I get suspicious." Like, okay, what's what's he really want, and what's this all about? And and let me just tell you something. I. I I recognize that feeling when, when, Trina, when Trina and I were first being diligent and disciplined about tithing when we were first married. I mean, it, it's, it's risky. You don't have lots. You got a lot of bills and you're trying to figure out life and, and it's all, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And, but I want to tell you, we, we started doing it and we got into a habit of spiritual discipline of giving and, and we've been doing it for a very long time and I want to tell you something. It's better over here it's better over here. Over there it's it's you know hoarding it all and then when you realize when you when you go like this something spiritual happens. Because money's a spiritual issue. It's not ours to begin with. It's better over here. You, you need to understand this. You will never consume or your or accumulate your way into fulfillment. It'll never happen. You go oh shinier, brighter, razzle dazzle. Oh, got to have that. You think gonna be, oh, I'm what? It's going to be I'm going to feel good. For a day, you will never accumulate or spend or consume your way into satisfaction. It won't happen. But when you realize I got a little bit of time. I got a little bit of opportunity and I can leverage it in such a way that I can have a bright future on the other side of this life. I can invest in what God is doing and know that when I report to the owner, he will say, well done, well done. You've been faithful with a little, now I'm gonna trust you with true riches and God looks through those three lenses in how we handle our resources. Remember, Jesus was never interested in getting people's money. He was laser focused on making certain that people's money did not get them. And so he told stories to help us understand how to live, how to live a surrendered life with our finances how to take a little bit of time we have here on earth, how to seize a little bit of opportunity that we have on this earth, to invest it in the kingdom. It's not bad to have nice things. It's not not bad to have a new car. Please don't hear that. If you've made poor financial decisions in the past, please don't hear condemnation, all right? Today may be a day like you're like, oh, well, hey, from this point, I just kind of steer the boat, kind of go in the direction that, that God, God, God's looking for. So this isn't, a, this isn't about beating yourself up. This is simply understanding about how God views our resources. So take a little bit of time you have, t- take a little bit of opportunity you have to whatever level of, of resources you have, use it as a tool, know you're, you're, you're being tested, and invest it, leverage it in such a way so that on the other side of this life, you'll hear the Father say, well done, and you have people walk up to you and say, hey, Thanks, thanks. Now let me just say, give you some handles on this message, ways for you to, to continue the conversation. You can continue the conversation at home with some friends, however you choose to do it. Here's a couple ways to have that. Just imagine this conversation around the dinner table, looking around your house. How do we get our stuff into the game? Is there, are there things, are there collections that are just gathering dust is there stuff that I have that I can, you know? Maybe it's like I can I can loan this to to the, that nonprofit, or I could I could, you know, I, I love my boat. I want to use my boat. But then I can let I can, you know, risky. I let youth ministry use it. Um, or, or I, you know, what? How do I get my my stuff in the game as a tool? Just imagine that conversation around the dinner table. That'd be a great conversation to have. Again, it's not wrong to have things. This it it's just not wrong. Jesus wants us to enjoy life. There's nothing wrong with enjoyment of life. It's not, as long as the chief aim is not me, ourselves. So have that conversation. Another conversation you can have is, hey, how, how am I doing on the test? As I look at, at, at the, the, the little or a lot that's been trusted to me, if, if a grade were, were to be given today, how, how are we doing? Have that conversation with your wife, your husband, your kids, or the friend. How are we doing? Maybe you have someone you, can, you sincerely trust. Not, a lot of people can't do this. Maybe you have someone you, you significantly trust. Hey, put the six, first six months of your finances in front of somebody and say, who's that tell you that, 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 that I belong to? Who's am I? It's a risky thing to do, but you know, however you feel comfortable about that, have that conversation. Which you know, obviously leads to the last question of, who, who's are you? Who do you belong to? consumption, accumulation, will never lead you to fulfillment. See, our world is that consume, 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 when you run out of money to consume, borrow more money so you can consume more. Accumulate, 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 get more stuff because you really have it shiny, brighter, you know, more razzle-dazzle, oh, then you'll be happy. It never leads you to satisfaction and fulfillment. But I can tell you this, when you take a little bit of time, a little bit of opportunity, and you leverage it for a bright future on the other side of this life, there is deep satisfaction. You see roses and you go, man, I had a part of that. You, you, you hear kids thrash in the basement, and you go, oh well, maybe, maybe a handful will follow Christ. There, there is deep satisfaction in using what's on loan to us to bring fame and honor to the name of Jesus Christ.